my life has been a financial roller coaster where I have made and lost millions of dollars. I have spent my life chasing money. But all of this was to teach me one ginormous lesson, which I would like to share with you now. It all began, as most great lessons do, with my childhood. My dad was a famous ear surgeon, the first in the world to perform a bionic ear transplant on a baby. But every night he trudged through the front door saying, they got their pound of flesh today. This was my first introduction to the concept of work, that it was all about self-sacrifice and certainly not a source of fun. Work was a penance that we simply had to do. I put this belief into practice as a four-year-old around the time my younger sister was born. Overnight, I got kicked off my pedestal as the adored only child. I figured that the only way to resume my rightful position as star of the show and regain my parents' love and attention was to become the perfect student. I would come top of the class in every subject, even those I didn't enjoy, like maths and science. I would study my Latin declension sitting alongside my dad as he drove me into school, neither of us exchanging a word. And I continued this work ethic into adulthood, marrying a fellow workaholic and running a lolly shop of different businesses, everything from cafes and restaurants to Sydney's most controversial boutique advertising agency, multi-million dollar land developments, and somehow during all that, we found the time to buy, renovate and sell 73 properties. I even took my typewriter into the hospital for the birth of two of my daughters, and for the third, I was on the line to our ad agency as I was walking my newborn through the front door. Well, yes, of course I can fly down to Sydney for that meeting this Thursday, I said. Driving this obsession was a well-embedded core belief. It went something like this. The harder I work, the more money I'll make. The more money I make, the happier I'll become. And sure enough, there came the day when I actually had everything I thought I wanted. This gorgeous mansion, Villa Botanica, a temple to nature built right on the water in Australia's beautiful Sundays, a big fat share portfolio, three beautiful daughters, and a 30-year loving marriage. But I'll never forget that Sunday afternoon when I was sitting in the kayak with my daughter Clover on our beautiful glassy bay, surveying everything we owned, there were turtles bobbing up and down, a private beach right next door, coconut palms and a balmy breeze. Our life was a postcard straight out of paradise. But as I looked around, I was filled with a strange foreboding and sadness. All around me was exquisite beauty and the trappings of success. But inside, I felt nothing but total emptiness. And with this pang of hollowness came the realization that I'd spent my whole life trudging up a mountain only to reach the summit and discover I'd climbed the wrong one. The problem was I had no idea where to go from this point. I felt totally stuck. And because I didn't take action, the universe took it for me. It would deliver the global financial crisis. And over the course of 12 months, I stood back and watched as nearly everything we'd worked so hard for disappeared before my eyes. At one point, we were losing $100,000 a day. And the problem was because my sense of self-worth was based on my net worth. It was as if I was having my fingers chopped off one by one 
till there was virtually none of me left. That's when I hit ground zero. I remember hearing a story on the news about the German industrialist who too had lost his fortune and dealt with his loss by throwing himself in front of a train. Instead of feeling compassion or sorrow, I was obsessed by just one thought. If only that had been me. I believe when we reach our point of no return, we have two options. Not whether we are going to live or die. Death is inevitable. The question is, which death do we choose? Physical death, where you take your life and pass the burden of your suffering onto those you leave behind. Or metaphysical death, where you kill off that part of yourself that no longer serves you and surrender to the unknown. So I killed off the belief that making money was the meaning of life and reached out for help. We opened the doors of our mansion by the sea to the public as a wedding venue to provide us with an income and as a place where I would host workshops to try and find the answer to my most urgent question. If money wasn't the key to happiness, what was? Our living room, once our private exclusive sanctuary with its marble floors and soaring ceilings, would become a meeting place for people just like me, jaded and confused, who would come and listen to the wisdom of teachers, speakers, therapists, even a Buddhist monk. I began to realize that most of us are in the same predicament, living in a society where we are judged not by who we are and the value we bring to others, but by what job we have and how much we own. And that simple reality is the underlying reason why over 70% of people are spending their days working at jobs that they actually hate. So without even realizing it, my mission became a search for how we as individuals could solve this waste of the precious life we are given, this great disconnect between the magical soul we were born to be and the imposter we were raised to become. But despite my 10-year search, there was never going to be a single guru, teacher, coach or therapist who would hand me the golden key. The answer would come from another source. I was attending a workshop that was all about facing our greatest fears. There I was in a resort somewhere in the middle of the Malaysian jungle with about a hundred others about to go through a simulated death experience. A scary looking guy covered in tats who could have been a hell's angel sauntered towards me. As he raised his giant hands to squeeze the carotid artery on my neck, I felt curious. Would I see the fabled light at the end of the tunnel? Would my life flash before me? But instead, as I lost consciousness, all I heard was a voice. Janet, you've let everyone down. As I came to, I was overcome by a tidal wave of disappointment. How could that miserable wet sock of a line be the summation of my entire life? And then the disappointment turned to outrage. And why me, the tireless worker, model wife and mother of three? Once when a journalist had come to Villa Botanica to do a story on our beautiful estate, all I could talk about was my husband, Ralph, and how he'd created the gardens, the buildings, everything. 
And then she asked, so what do you do? I just shrugged and said, I'm a spec filler. You know, when a problem or crack appears, I fill it. As the outrage subsided, the truth emerged. Of course, I'd let everyone down and no one more so than myself. By being what I thought was selfless, sacrificing myself on the altar of hard work, I was in fact being selfish. I was denying myself and the world, the true me, the vibrant, fulfilled, alive person I was born to be and all the gifts I had to share. To thine own self be true. I never thought of Shakespeare's advice as anything more than a desk calendar quote, but now it goaded me. How could I be true to myself if I didn't know who my true self was? What did I have to do? Just wait for some kind of divine intervention, another voice? The answer, as it so often does, came not from outside, but from within, by going back to my childhood. The best Christmas present I ever received was a doll's house, more like a miniature version of the grand Georgian mansion Scarlett O'Hara lived in in Gone with the Wind. I would populate it not with dolls, but plastic animals and aliens I collected from the packets of cornflakes, like the animals queuing up two by two to board Noah's Ark. I would line up my animals and aliens in front of the grand entrance of this mansion and take each one, one by one, through every room in the house. There would be a giraffe in the living room, a cow in the kitchen, a Martian in the bathroom and so on. And once every animal had spent time in every room of the house, it would be vaccinated with a purple pen, as if to say, this guy is now ready to face the world. What if finding our purpose did not strike the lucky few as a bolt from the blue? What if it was available to everyone and was simply a matter of following a process of visiting each of the rooms in our own inner mansion? And so I developed the program I wished had been available to me all those years ago, made up of three parts, or if you like, a house with three floors. On the ground floor, you have your living areas. This is your comfort zone where you as your current self show up just as you are day after day. Then there is the area most of us never want to go to, our dark, musty basement. It's full of old trunks, unfulfilled dreams, cobwebs and such. It's where, as a child, you were told the boogeyman lived. In your inner mansion, this is your shadow self, home to all your greatest fears, traumas, self-doubt, as well as your unexplored gifts and talents, all the aspects of you, negative and positive, that have been buried away. And finally, there is the roof garden. It's light and airy, and from here, all you can see is blue sky and endless possibility. In your inner mansion, this is your higher self. Most of us keep to the ground floor of our house, but the basement is actually the most important room in our life. By avoiding going there, we are denying ourselves the key to our garden. You can only become whole once you integrate all three stories of your inner mansion your current self, shadow self, and higher self, it's then and only then that you can truly know, understand, appreciate, and love 
who you really are. And here was my epiphany. Real happiness and fulfillment is when you do that thing you would do even if you didn't get paid to do it. And here's the twist. Because you're doing it for love, not money, your energy and passion attracts an audience. An audience that will gladly pay you because you are now adding true value to their lives just by being you. Last month, we sold Villa Botanica, our mansion by the sea. Our wedding business was never our passion, and so, not surprisingly, over the years, rather than making us money, it cost us. And even though this grand property sold for several million, once we paid off all our debt, we were left with less than the agent's commission. But as I share this with you, I don't feel poor or lacking. Because I've made the smartest trade that you can. I have traded my external mansion for my internal one. This priceless piece of real estate is immune to global economic meltdowns, cyclones, or currency crashes. I'm no longer searching for a place where the grass is greener. Wherever I am in the world, I will always have that feeling of being at home. And now that I'm truly doing what I love, my external wealth is rebuilding itself. Now I realize that my value lies in being who I truly am, doing what I love. Work is no longer a four-letter word, but that thing that is essential to my happiness. And because I am loving what I do and being paid for it, I don't live for my days off. My vocation is my vacation. And the biggest breakthrough of all, because my greatest asset is me and not a bunch of shares that will crash when Wall Street does, I no longer have to worry about money. When I need more, I simply do more of what I love doing. Fulfillment has nothing to do with how many zeros you have after your name and everything to do with knowing and being who you were born to be. It's not about finding your purpose. You are your purpose. It's simply about finding you. Thank you.